Welcome to the Divine Will Podcast, where we read and study the writings of the Servant of God, Louisa Picaretta. Let us begin. Volume 5, October 12, 1903 Jesus speaks about the crowning with thorns and how peace and happiness come through the precious thorns of mortification. This morning, I saw my adorable Jesus inside me, crowned with thorns. Seeing him like that, I said to him, My sweet Lord, why did your head so envy your scourged body, which had suffered so much and shed so much blood, and wish not to be less honored by the badge of suffering, that you instigated your enemies to crown you with a crown of thorns, so painful and terrible? Jesus replied, My daughter, the crowning with thorns contains many meanings. Despite however much is said, there still remains more to be said. The fact that my head wanted to be honored by having its own distinct and special, not general, portion of both suffering and the shedding of blood, almost in competition with my body, is something almost incomprehensible to the created mind. The reason is that it's the head which unites the body and the soul, such that the body without the head is nothing. Although it's possible to live without other members of the body, it's impossible to live without the head, since it is the essential part of the entire man. So much so that if the body sins or does good, it's the head that's doing the directing and the rest of the body is nothing more than an instrument. My head had to restore my rule and my lordship to obtain the merit so that new heavens of grace and new worlds of truth might enter human minds and to fight back new hells of sin and vile passions. Since I want to crown the entire human family with glory, honor, and dignity, I wanted first, therefore, to crown and honor my humanity though with a painful crown of thorns, which is a symbol of the crown of immortality that I restored to creatures, which had been lost on account of sin. Besides that, the crowning with thorns means that there is no glory and honor without thorns. The passions can never be controlled, nor can virtue be acquired without the piercing of both flesh and spirit. True power lies in the giving of self, with the wounds of mortification and of sacrifice. Finally, the crown of thorns means that I am the one true king, and that whoever makes me alone king of their heart will enjoy peace and happiness, and I will make such a person queen of my kingdom. So all those streams of blood that flowed down from my head flooded human minds with knowledge of my kingship over them. How can I express what I felt? I lack the words. Indeed, the little I've said seems disjointed. I think that this is how it has to be when we try to talk about the things of God. Since He is uncreated and we are His creatures, we cannot speak about Him except by stuttering. Volume 7, March 5th, 1906 Seeing a man commit suicide, Jesus 
share some of his bitterness with Louisa. How Jesus suffered the crown of thorns for human pride, the murderer of the creature's body and soul. Continuing in my usual state, I suddenly found myself outside of myself and close to my blessed Jesus, whom I saw as a young child, but who was extremely grieved. Then I said to him, My beloved, tell me, why do you suffer so much? What can I do to console you? Instantly the child Jesus bowed down in prayer, with his face touching the ground, praying for me so that I could discern his will. However, in spite of all this, I did not understand anything. I raised his face up and I kissed it many times. Then I said, My love, I do not understand you at all. Do you want me to suffer the crucifixion? He replied, No. Taking me by the arm with his hand, he proceeded to roll up my shirt sleeve and I said, Do you want my arm to be uncovered? I feel such repugnance. But, for your love, I submit to it. Suddenly, I saw a man from my own town, who, taken by desperation and self-esteem, committed suicide. Then the child Jesus said, I cannot contain such bitterness. Receive your part of it. Whereupon, he poured a small amount of his bitterness into my mouth. Then I proceeded to run after that man to try and help him repent of his evil deed when I saw the demons carry off his soul and place it upon a fire, turning him over and over, as if they were roasting him. Twice I succeeded in freeing him, and then I found myself in myself, begging Jesus to have mercy on that unfortunate soul. Blessed Jesus returned with a crown full of thorns, thrust upon his head so firmly that the thorns were coming out of his mouth. He said to me, O oh, my dear daughter, many do not believe that the thorns penetrated even into the inside of my mouth. But I wanted to suffer this for human pride. I wanted to suffer it because human pride is such a grave sin that it impedes the life of God in the soul and hurts the soul. However, the creature is not satisfied. His pride is to such an extent that it makes the creature lose the sense of himself, murdering his body and soul. All of this I have written solely for obedience. After reading this, my confessor attested to the fact that this morning a man had committed suicide. Volume 3, November 6, 1899 Having come this morning, my adorable Jesus transported me out of myself and showed me streets that were full of human flesh. What a pitiless carnage! It horrifies one to think of it. Then he showed me that something happened in the air, and many died suddenly. I saw this also in the month of March. I began, according to my custom, to pray him to be placated and to spare his own images from such cruel torments and from such bloody wars. And since he had on the crown of thorns, I took it from him to put it on myself, and this to placate him the more. But to my greatest grief, 
I saw that almost all the thorns remained broken in his most holy head, such that very little was left for me to suffer. Jesus showed himself severe, almost without paying attention to me. He transported me again into my bed, and since I found myself with my arms open and suffering the pains of the crucifixion, which he himself had imparted to me before, he took my arms and crossed them and bound them with a little golden cord. Not paying attention to the meaning of this, to break that severe air that he had, I said to him, My most sweet love, I offer to you these movements of my body, which you yourself have made and all the others that I could do, for the sole end of pleasing and glorifying you. Ah, yes, I desire also that the movements of my eyelids, of my lips, and of my whole being be done for the sole purpose of pleasing you alone. Grant, O good Jesus, that all my bones and my nerves might resound among themselves and clearly testify my love for you. And he said to me, All that is done for the sole end of pleasing me shines before me in such a way as to attract the divine gazes. And I like them so much that I give to those actions, though they be but a moving of an eyebrow, the value as though they were done by myself. On the contrary, those other actions, in themselves good and even great, not done for me alone, are like rusty gold bespattered with mud, which does not shine, and I do not grant even a glance to them. And I, ah, Lord, how easy it is for the dust to soil our actions. And he, one must not heed the dust, for it is shaken off. What? one must pay attention to is the intention. Now, as he said this, Jesus occupied himself with binding my arms. I said to him, O Lord, what are you doing? And he, I am doing this because when you are in that position of crucifixion, you placate me, and since I want to chastise the peoples, I am binding your arms. And having said this, he disappeared. Volume 3, February 19, 1900 This morning, my adorable Jesus came, and he transported me outside of myself. I saw a lot of people all in movement, but I cannot say for sure if it was a war or a revolution. And for our Lord, they did nothing but plate crowns of thorns, so much so that as I went about carefully removing one, they fixed another more dolorous. Ah, yes, it seems as though our age will be renounced for pride. The greatest misfortune is to lose one's head. For once one loses his head with his brain, all the other members become disabled, or they become enemies of oneself and of the others. Wherefore it happens that the person routs all the other virtues. My patient Jesus tolerated all those crowns of thorns, and hardly did I have time to remove them when he turned to them and said, Some in war, some in prisons, others in earthquakes, few of you shall remain. Pride has formed the course of the actions of your life, 
and pride shall give you death. After this, blessed Jesus took me from the midst of those people. He made himself into a child, and I carried him in my arms to let him rest. He added, Daughter, my life came from my heart, independent of the others. Behold one reason why I am all heart for souls, and why I am carried to desire the hearts of creatures, and do not tolerate even the shadow of what is not mine. Wherefore, between you and me, I want everything distinctly for me, and what you will concede to creatures will be nothing but the overflow of our love. Volume 7, July 27, 1906 How the Cross is a Dowry Jesus Gives to the Soul This morning, while seeing my adorable Jesus nailed to the cross, I interiorly questioned myself, what were Jesus' thoughts in receiving the cross? Jesus then said, My daughter, I embrace the cross as if it were my most dear treasure. This is because in the cross I gave a dowry to souls. I espoused them to me. Then, in looking at the cross, observing its length and width, I took pleasure in it, because I saw in it the sufficient dowries for all my spouses. Moreover, none of them could fear to marry me, because in my own hands I had the cross and the price of their dowry. For this reason I wed the soul with only one condition, that if she accepts the small gifts that I send to her, meaning the crosses, it is a sign that she accepts me as her spouse. The wedding is executed, and I make the donation of a dowry to the soul. If, on the other hand, the soul does not accept these small gifts, which means she does not resign herself to my will, it all becomes annulled, and though I want to give her a dowry, I cannot. This is because in order to perform the wedding, it is necessary that both parties, the soul and I, be in agreement. So if the soul does not accept my gifts, it means that she does not want to accept my betrothal. Volume 15, February 16, 1923 I was making my usual adoration before the crucifix, completely abandoning myself to his lovable will. While I was doing that, I felt my dear Jesus moving inside me. He said to me, my daughter, quick, hurry, enter into my will and redo all that my humanity did in the supreme will, so that you may unite your own acts to mine and to those of my mother. It has been decreed that if a creature does not enter into the eternal will and thereby render our acts in triplicate, the supreme will will not descend upon the earth to make its way among human generations. It wants an entourage of triple acts in order to reveal itself. So hurry. Jesus became silent. I felt as if I had been flung into the holy and eternal will. I don't know how to describe what happened, only that I found all of Jesus' acts and put my own together with his. Later, he began speaking again, saying, My daughter, 
how numerous are the things my humanity did in the divine will, which will be revealed by my will. To achieve a perfect and complete redemption, my humanity had to work within the sphere of eternity. Had not been accompanied by an eternal will, all my acts would have been limited and finite. With an eternal will, however, they are unlimited and infinite. So my sufferings and my cross also had to be unlimited and infinite. My divine will provided my humanity with all these sufferings and crosses to the extent that it stretched me out over the entire human family, from the first to the last man, and I absorbed every kind of suffering into me. Every creature became my cross. That is how my cross became so large, the length of all centuries and the breadth of all human generations. It was not merely the small cross of Calvary where the Hebrews crucified me. That was only an image of the large cross upon which the supreme will keeps me crucified. All creatures form the length and breadth of the cross and therefore are part of this cross. The divine will, though it stretched me out upon it and crucified me, was not alone in creating my cross, but was joined by all the ones who make it up. So that is why I had need of the space of eternity for this cross. That of earth would not have been sufficient to contain it. Oh, how creatures will love me when they learn what my humanity did in the divine will and what it made me suffer for love of them. My cross was not made of wood. No, it was made of souls. I felt them trembling in the cross upon which the divine will had stretched me out, and I refused no one. I gave each of them a place, though doing so meant that I had to be stretched out in such an agonizing manner and with pain so atrocious that next to this the pains of my passion seem like trifles. So hurry, so that my will may reveal all that the eternal will worked in my humanity. This knowledge will awaken so much love in creatures that they will submit in order to let it reign among them. While he was saying this, he showed so much tenderness and love that astonished, I said to him, My love, why do you show so much love when you speak about your will? It seems as if, because of this great love, you want to create another you. Why is it that when you speak about other things, you do not display this excess of love? And Jesus, my daughter, do you want to know why? As I speak about my will in order to reveal it to the creature, I desire to infuse my divinity into him, thus creating another me. My love goes all out in doing this, and I love him as myself. That is why when I speak about my will, it seems as if my love overflows its limits in order to form the seed of my will in the creature's heart. Instead, when I speak about other things, it is my virtues that I infuse. According to the virtues that I am revealing to it, I love the creature as its creator, 
Father, Redeemer, Teacher, Doctor, etc. So there is not the same exuberance of love as when I want to create another me. Volume 14, February 24, 1922 When we carry our cross in the divine will, it becomes as large as Jesus' cross. Being in my usual state, my ever-adorable Jesus manifested himself as he was taking the cross upon his most holy shoulder. And he said to me, My daughter, when I received the cross, I gazed upon it from top to bottom in order to see the places that every soul occupied on my cross. Thus, contemplating all souls, I gazed with more love and paid special attention to those who had lived their lives in my will. When I looked upon these souls, I saw their crosses as long and as wide as mine, because my will supplied what their crosses lacked in length and width. Oh, how your cross stood out, long and wide, because of your many years in bed, suffered solely to fulfill my will. My cross was solely to fulfill the will of my Heavenly Father, yours to fulfill my will. Both did honor to each other, and since both contained the same measurements, they fused together. My will has the virtue of softening the hardness of a cross, sweetening its bitterness, of lengthening and widening its smallness. For that reason, when I felt the cross on my shoulder, I also felt the sweetness and the bitterness of the cross of the souls, which had suffered in my will. Oh, my heart gave a sigh of relief. At the same time, the heaviness of their crosses made my cross dig into my shoulder, where it sank in so much that it made a deep wound. As it inflicted its piercing pain, I felt the softness and sweetness of the souls which would have suffered in my will. Since my will is eternal, their sufferings, their reparations, their acts ran in every drop of my blood, ran in each wound, in each offense. My will made me see as ever-present all the offenses since the first man sinned, all the present offenses and all future offenses. It was precisely those souls that would live in my will that gave me anew the rights of my volition, and it is for love of them that I decreed the redemption. If other souls come to form a part of the redemption, it is because of these souls who lived in my will. There is no good, either in heaven or on earth, that I grant other than for their sake. Speak the word and make a world in 
and reign eternally. Let there be seas and endless shores where we can go and walk forever. Lord, speak the word and make a world in me. Rise up like trees, lifting their limbs in silent praise. Lord, speak the word and make a word in me. Where you can rest and bring eternally. Be shooting stars, reminding you that I am yours. Lord, speak the word and make a world in me. Where you can rest and reign eternally. Let all my words be bold as whales and beautiful as nightingales. Lord, speak the word and make a word in me. Where you can rest and reign eternally. Be one with yours, shaking the earth like dinosaurs. Lord, speak the word and make a word in me. Where you can rest and reign eternally. my bone, my spotless bride. Lord, speak the word and make a world in me. Where you can rest and reign our podcast for today. This podcast is coming from the Louisa Picaretta Center for the Divine Will. For more information, please call 423-566-5178. Thank you for listening. God bless.